Father, Father, we don't need to escalate. Oh, you see, war is not the answer, but only love can conquer hate. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. lines and picket signs don't punish me with brutality come on talk to me so you can see oh what's going on what's going on oh what's going on yeah what's going on Everybody thinks we're wrong. Who are they to judge us? Simply because we wear our hair so long. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love in here today. Oh, picket lines, picket signs. Don't punish me with brutality. Come on, talk to me so you can see what's going on. What's going on? What's going on? Oh, what's going on? What's going on? 
Good morning. It's Labor and Love, and you're tuned to Mutiny Radio. Ten o'clock or thereabouts on Saturday morning. <coughs> Pardon me. 
And it looks like it's going to rain all day, so everybody get as warm as you can. Cuddle up with each other. Cuddle up with your electric blanket. Cuddle up with your your warmest clothes. Labor and Love, the show where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, where you live, where you work. You're on the menu. Never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's only a waste of time. I say labor, I mean you. Labor and love radio where the labor meets the road. Physical address, 2781 21st Street in the heart of the mission. Come on down. Come on down to Mutiny and find your voice. We got radio. We got video. We got comedy. We got art. A true, true community archive. Mutiny Radio. And what have we got for you today? Let's look at the list. Graduate students settled. What, what's the nature of their settlement? Is it a good one or not? Supreme Court in South Carolina has overturned a very restrictive anti-abortion. I have to read about that. Video game testers connected to the Microsoft company, 300 of them, have unionized. That about. What's a Supreme Court case that could put a big crimp in union picketing campaign? Amazon. Was they treated? Was it treated as Amazon worker died? What did the managers do? What did Amazon do? Something in the internet. Taliban Prince Harry is bragging about killing twenty five. North Hollywood strippers unionized. Today's story is called The Two Squares. This and all of this is coming at you on Mutiny Radio. We don't have our uh, our feature today from uh, Radio Labor, but let's listen here. We've got Vituation Room with Francesca Fiorentini talking about what happens when somebody dies. Amazon. 
Well, here was a story, uh, not the first of its kind. Amazon workers at Den 4 in Colorado said an elderly worker died on the job on 12-28 after returning from a medical leave. And instead of shutting down the area, Amazon managers stacked boxes around the body until a coroner could arrive so they could keep working through it. And there is a an account of someone who is is writing, and I believe this is a an image of their tablet, saying, "Last night on shift, an employee died. When I arrived at 6:30 this morning, I saw fire trucks and ambulance, police departments still at the facility, not knowing why they were there. We all went in and checked and start clocked in and started to work. That's when we found out from a night shift employee, not from management, that someone had died, and the person was still at the facility. Again, not management." The emergency response team was doing an investigation, and the, cor- and the coroner had not retrieved the body. There were some employees who were less than 10 feet away from the deceased who was covered working. I cannot even begin to say how upset and angry I am at the disrespect for human life from Amazon and our general manager, Nick McKean. Yes, we're naming names. Are you saying you can't even shut down the facility long enough to finish an investigation? Is money so important that, that you are literally walking over a dead body to make you more money? It's not enough working five days a week, 12-hour days for a month, and then switching us to six days a week, 10 hours a day for a month. What the actual fuck is wrong with this picture? As of lunchtime, when I left senior management, still had not addressed our department. That is heinous. That means, so no leadership. I mean, we're also on the other side of Roger Goodell not shutting down a football game for an hour after someone was maybe clinically dead for 10 minutes, uh, but that's, that's a different story. Same shit. Oh, you trying to make money? Ah, there's a, maybe a dead body. Oh, yeah. Keep working. Oh, no, this is going to be time off task. If you look at the dead body, time off task. So all this to say, we've known Amazon. This is not the first time Amazon's done this. My heart goes out to this person's family. My heart goes out to those workers. I can only imagine coming back from medical leave, which I wonder if that was paid medical leave, but clearly... It wasn't long enough if this person then was died, suffered, was not, not able to work. Obviously, I'm jumping to conclusions. We don't know what actually happened, if it was related to the medical condition that they had previously. Um, but I'm sure working the floor at a warehouse didn't help. I know I'm going to be called crazy, but I, I think we should nationalize Amazon. That's the only course of action. Why? Well, because it's just a platform. It's literally a marketplace. It is a platform. You buy and sell things, and hundreds of thousands, millions of vendors are there. The only difference is it wouldn't be stacked and rigged in Jeff Bezos's favor. You wouldn't have to buy sponsored placements, et cetera, et cetera, and um, workers wouldn't be forced to work next to dead bodies. They might actually get paid. Yeah, you might have a Amazon three-day prime instead of two-day, you know, to account for people actually being able to pee on the job, um, you know, or I don't know, like the drivers in Amazon delivery trucks might get like a full break and not be docked if they don't get all their packages out in time. You know, that would be, that'd be on us, right? We'd have to deal with that. But at this point, it is too big. It is too big. It's got to be broken up would be a step. It's got to be fucking nationalized is what it is. It is, at this point, a utility. It is ubiquitous. Everyone uses it and is on it. Yes, I believe in boycotts. I think that is important. I think I will take the lead of whatever workers would like. I think that's the next step. But 
what's actually going to make change is nationalizing this shit. Yeah. And then people, oh, is it going to be like, you know, the USPS? USPS is going strong, y'all. Don't hate. USPS is going strong. All right? You know who's been working this whole time? Your mailman. Or mail lady. Or mail person. What's going on, Frantifa? If you haven't already, subscribe to this channel right now. Hit that button. And also, you can become a patron and support the show every single week. Get access to bonus episodes and exclusive merchandise. Patreon. Hey, that was bituation, man. I'm talking about a worker's death, and I can relate to this because something similar happened to me when I was working. Uncle's Brooklyn. Take all the debris from different jobs, load it on the dump truck, take it to the dump. time I was driving with a guy named Sidney, warehouseman, we were driving together to the dump, and there were several men standing Bulldozers moving things around. And all of a sudden, I saw one of the men waiting for the dump fall down. Fell down and collapsed right there. Several men ran around going Foreman. hell's going on? Get back to work. This guy's dead. And it was true. The man had collapsed right there and died. Who knows what of. He was dead. So what was the response? Manager, warehouse, supervisor, dumpyard supervisor. Move the body out of the way. Get him the hell out of the way. The trucks can't get through. Two or three of the workers to their great shame did just that. Drag the body out of the way. I was a young man, man. I was a college student. Looked at Sydney, who's a veteran, forties or working all his life, good job. Sydney, that guy died. Dead. What are they doing? They're moving. They just moved the body out of the way. I'm going to get out and see what I can do. Back then. They're thinking. 
but Sidney, the guy just died, he said, you let that be a lesson to you. Let that be a lesson to you. Now what you think of me. I'm not going to take anything from you. Say right now, thank you, Sydney, wherever you are. Was a lesson. That's what happens at Amazon. The managers don't know what to do. They cover the body up, but perish the thought that anyone would stop working long enough to care for a dead body. Okay. Of course, she referenced the case of Carl This is a case. Favorite sport. It's a lot more than that. It's America's cultural touch point. Football, pro football, the way it's presented and the way it's played and the way it comes to us is as a reinforcement of quote unquote American values. American, especially the masculine values. Next man up. Hurt, the next man comes in there and takes his place. Virtue, taking it, hurting or playing with pain, hitting, good hit, way to hit. Tacklers and blockers, every play is collision. Four or five people running directly into four or five people. And now people are saying, well, football in the past was it? You've got guys now play football who weigh 300 plus pounds and run 4-8-4-6. People are huge and fast. Every play, they attack one another. Huge scandal in the Pac-12. People raise the cases of football players after they retire. Suffer from a condition that's brought on by constant, constant battering. This guy, Dante Stallworth, who is a former player, and sports reporter Bill Roden weigh in on this question. Amy Goodman's show. Let's listen to her. Start off. 
Walk on By by Dionne Warwick. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Buffalo Bills football player DeMar Hamlin remains in critical condition in the Cincinnati hospital two days after he suffered cardiac arrest on the field Monday night during a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. The 24-year-old collapsed after making a tackle. Medical staff administered CPR, used a defibrillator to restore his pulse before bringing an ambulance onto the field. The game indefinitely suspended as other players wept. DeMar Hamlin was rushed to the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, where he is now, according to his family. Hamlin is sedated on a ventilator after having been resuscitated twice on the field. A large vigil was held for him in Buffalo on Tuesday. DeMar Hamlin's injury came just minutes after the Buffalo Bills' defensive back, Taron Johnson, left the game with a head injury. And just days after Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa uh, suffered his third head injury of the season following a concussion that left him hospitalized in week four, we're joined right now by two guests William Roden, longtime sports journalist, author of $40 Million Slaves The Rise, Fall, and Redemption of the Black Athlete. He was a columnist for The New York Times until 2016, now a columnist with ESPN's Anscape. And Dante Stallworth is with us, sports commentator and former NFL player who spent 10 years in the league. Dante, let's begin with you. You were watching the game. Um, this, to say the least. That's Amy's introduction. And what happened was this player made a tackle on normal kind of play, nothing especially violent. And he collapsed. He got up. He got up after the play and collapsed. And, uh, he was clinically dead. They uh, got his heart beating again after two tries. It started one time and then failed, and they used it again. And uh, he was taken off the field put into intensive care. Just recently, now evidently has regained consciousness and gotten to the point, gotten to the point where he can communicate with his family. But of course it leaves greater questions. Now later on in the interview, Amy Goodman brings up the question, should football be banned? There are other things, though. The NFL, the NFL's pension plan, for example, this is, all this is, is part of that. You don't get covered with a pension or a health plan unless you play a certain minimum amount. Three years and three months, I think it is. And of course, I'm sure the NFL has gotten that <laughs> to the point where <laughs> they figured out on actuary tables that, you know, that's kind of a break-even point of some sort. 
Anyway. Um... But you know, one of these guys, Bill Roden, says, larger question now while we're waiting to hear what happens, you know, where does the league go from here? And I guarantee you I would love to hear those conversations between the TV execs, the NFL people. How do they play those games? Will this game be continued at some point? Who knows? See if we can get a little bit of what he has to say. Okay. A series of pieces on Lamar Jackson and his whole thing about betting on himself and how he's injured and how the players process this. If the Buffalo and Cincinnati players said, you know, we can't play another game. You know, so um, my immediate concern and prayer is that um, uh, this young man pulls out of this and that there is some type of good news. But then moving forward, what are the conversations we're having in the, in, in, in the, in the breach, in the silence? What kind of conversation are we having about this game? You know, um, it, it's... Well, why don't we talk about that, Bill? I mean, you have sort of not exactly joked, but said, what, are we going to call for the banning of the game? Why yeah. not? Well, yeah, go ahead, uh, Dante. Okay, Dante. Uh, well, I think that when you look at just the importance to go out and, and, and fulfill that next man up uh, problem that we have in the NFL, so— it's really difficult to, to tell how a player can go out and play that witnessed this firsthand, that was on the field, watching the uh, medical professionals and the medical staff administer CPR for several minutes to DeMar Hamlin. It's—these guys are going to be changed forever, and it's going to—it's really going to be interesting to see how the NFL proceeds moving forward. And how the NFL deals with issues like, for example, what's happening with Tua. Just a few days before Miami Dolphin, um, the whole issue of the concussion protocol and how it's been enforced. I mean, that a game even needs— You know, I was almost at the point there. I said, you know what, I'm done with this, man. You know, this is just—you know, I, I appreciate the fact that a lot of people are, you know, leasing their bodies and they're getting generational wealth. You know, there's an exchange. I lease the team my body. I get paid and keep my fingers crossed that I could have a 10-year career and kind of get out of it unscathed. But, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the larger question now, while we're waiting to hear what happens, uh, you know, um, where does the league go from here? And I, I guarantee you, I would love to hear those conversations, you know, between the, uh, the TV execs, the uh, NFL people about how do we play these games? How do we keep ourselves on schedule? And 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 I think Dante mentioned. It. I think um, this is another conversation for another show. But to me, this is kind of also about guaranteed contracts. The NFL is the only major league whose players do not have guaranteed contracts, and NFL players more than any other team sport deserve guaranteed contracts. You know. Um, you know, you should—if you play this game, 
you should be taken care of. You should be your contract should be guaranteed. And again, this really isn't a time to talk about that. But I do think that this is something really worth fighting for. The owners are saying that this is the hill they're going to die on. They're not going to do what the NBA does. They're not going to do what Major League Baseball does. But these players, if you look at, at what happens every single game, every single week, you know, these players need to be protected, and they need to be protected. Interesting. Bill, interesting the term you use. This is the hill they're going to die on. Well, athletes are dying. Um, and I was wondering if Dante could respond to that. Also, looking at a piece in The Times from last year, with the addition of a 17th regular season game on top of the two extra playoff games the league added last year, the NFL negotiated substantially higher rates for its media rights. The new deals, which total more than 100 billion dollars, nearly double the amount of the expiring contracts. What's at stake here? Yeah, there's a lot at stake. Obviously, you know, the NFL— This is where Stallworth gets into the part about working. These are working stake. people. But I, I do think that in this moment, with, with this incident being so unprecedented, um, I'm as skeptical as they come when it comes to multi-billion dollar corporations, no matter who they are, no matter that I'm a former player myself and still enjoy watching the game and still involved in the game uh, by speaking with teams and things of that nature. But, you know, I, I do want to first, like, give the NFL some kudos. You know, they, they haven't—they've they, kind of earned the natural skepticism when anything like this of this nature happens. They've earned that over the years. But— you know, the fact that they canceled Here's the game, where we find out that Hemlin was not—he's not a vested player. I think to pretty much show that this is an unprecedented situation, and I think everything right now is fluid. But I, but I do want to say, too, to, to mention uh, kind of piggybacking, you know, about players and players' health, DeMar Hamlin was only in his second year. He is not a vested player. To be vested, you have to play, I believe it's three years plus three games. So essentially, you have to be in your fourth year and play three games to become vested. Uh, you have to play uh, three games in three years to receive a pension. You also have to play three years and three games to receive the five years of uh, health care that the NFL, that the NFL uh, gives to players after they retired. So he has not... He's not, he has not uh, been a vested player, so it, it'll. It, there's a lot of things that are at play here. Um, unfortunately for the NFL, for the NFL players, uh, that that is something that can't be changed, I guess, until the new collective bargaining agreement, which they just had one last year or the year before. But we have, those are the things that I'm. We have. Okay, so there's the key, and that's why I get off um, bringing this up on. Uh, a labor show. The NFL is a multi-billion-dollar corporation. They could easily afford to provide pensions for all the players, whether they played three years and three months or nine. They could easily pay. I was amazed when I heard that when he said. You get five years after you retire. You get five years health care, and then it runs out. That's incredible. This is, we're talking about workplace 
situation by workers. Like Roden's book, 40 million dollar slaves under some commentator asking Kurt Flood, how can you say you're a slave? You're making this great amount of money every year. And he said, well, a well-paid slave is still a slave. Okay, so evidently the young man is able to talk now and able to communicate with his family. Looks like he's going to pull out of this. Who knows where he'll go with it. But I can guarantee you, most people will never look at a pro football game in the same way again. Okay. Um, I forgot to... uh, Identify the songs we started out with. We started out with uh, Nina Simone, I Got Life. Or that Tom Morello and Grandson talking Hold the Line, the theme of an old Union song brought up to date. It rocked out. Um, John Legend, what's going on? What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? All right.
I got 12 years down and I still owe nine. Pops getting old, so now I'm doing double time. Prison life got changed, so my tears, yet I still cry. Concerned convicts look at me and they all sympathize. I'm trying to conceal and contain when I'm feeling inside. Recognize the consequences of how I'm living my life. Man, what I wouldn't give just to be by his side. Cause we only live once and there ain't no next time. I promise not to do tomorrow what I could do now. From this point on in my life, that's how I'm getting down. Realizing now's the time and place to make some changes. No more tears of hate, anger, fear, and frustration. Or walking with more issues than a mental patient. Like sitting with my pops waiting for our Lord to take them. I give them to God and ask him for the strength to face them. Cause without faith, there ain't nothing else that could replace them. Hey, Earl. What's up with you? That's the thought in my mind when I look in the mirror one day. I'll be there with you instead of sitting alone in a cell holding on to your picture. Hey, Earl. What's up with you? That's the thought in my mind when I look in the mirror one day. I'll be there with you instead of sitting alone in a cell holding on to your picture. Imagine looking at the world. Through God's eyes, discover the hidden meanings behind what you once loved and despised. What I want for myself is that what y'all want for me. There's so many trapped in confusion, living a life of hypocrisy. As a man, I stand up forgiven by my fellow men who say they believe as I do. Maybe that's God's plan to be an example of faith to those who all know me. Because I'm grounded in the spirit like an angel with a broke wing. My faith in God promises eternal life after death. So me and my pops will be together forever, I guess. I suppose better off than those lacking sincerity. And I pray for the souls as they take up space next to me this is for my father you know i know how you feel like i said before i do what i can and that's real write a letter or call just to check up on you never miss no opportunity to show you i love you hey earl what's up with you that's the thought in my mind when i look in the mirror one day i'll be there with you instead of sitting alone in a cell holding on to your picture say earl What's up with you? That's the thought in my mind when I look in the mirror one day. I'll be there with you instead of sitting alone in a cell holding on to your picture. Welcome home. Guys, you know how it is. Aquellas noches, María bonita, María del alma. Acuérdate que en la playa, con tus manitas, las estrellitas las enjuagabas. Tu cuerpo del mar juguete, nave al garete, venían las olas, lo columpiaba. Mientras yo te miraba, lo digo 
consentimiento mi pensamiento me traicionaba bonitas con que se arrullan los corazones pidiendo que me quisieras que convirtieras en realidades mis ilusiones la luna que nos miraba y hacía ratito se hizo un poquito desentendida Cuando la vi escondida, me arrodillé para besarte y así entregarte toda mi vida. It's called Father's Day, and it was dedicated to by a young man to his father. His father was one of his best buddies. Duck, Duck Doja from Apple. Darnell was the That song was dedicated to him. Followed that up with a song. Bonita, the beautiful Maria, great Agustin Lara, <coughs> so many big This one was dedicated to his wife, Maria Bonita, Felix. I dedicate that. Widow, mother, now sick herself, sadly. 
play this song as a way of helping her get well and continue on in her career. So that was set out to you, Chuck Doja and Maria Holman. In a little while, we'll read a story that I wrote that I dedicated to him. Okay, let's say one more. What do we got? UC graduate workers. And it's in the LA Times. It says UC graduate students ratify labor agreement in historic strike with big wage gains. University of California graduate student workers on Friday ratified a new labor agreement with big wage gains support for child care and new protections against bullying and harassment, ending a historic strike that upended all-term finals has reverberated nationally. In separate votes, two bargaining units of United Auto Workers approved the tentative agreement reached last week with the 10 campus universities six weeks after 48,000 teaching assistants, tutors, researchers, and postdoctoral scholars collectively walked off their jobs in the nation's largest strike in academic history. <coughs> SRU UAW's 17,000 graduate students, researchers backed the agreement with 68. 4% of a vote, 10,057 to 4,640. During their first UC contract after forming a union last year, UAW 2865, which represents 19,000 teaching assistants, tutors, and other student academic workers, approved the agreement with 61.6%. UC said the new contracts would make the system's graduate student workers among the best supported in public e higher education in the country. For academic student employees, a new contract will raise minimum pay from about $23,250 to about $34,000 part-time. October 1st, 2020. They, Berkeley, UC San Francisco, and UCLA would be 36500 Earners meant high cost of living in these cities and higher pay nationally. Should I interject here? Can you live on $36,000? Area? No. Twice that much. Graduate student researchers would make a minimum of 34000 for nine months under a new 6.5% scale. Contract will be effective until May 31st. So there you go. 
big, a big victory for academic workers. Todd Emmenegger, a UC PhD student in atmospheric and oceanic sciences, said the new contract would be life-changing and allow him to live with some dignity. Beforehand, when he first enrolled at UCLA in 2018, the only housing he could find cost $1,400 in monthly rent, three-fourths of his earnings then as a part-time teaching assistant. victory, an important victory for uh, a sector of workers that up until now has been pretty much ignored and thought of as privileged. Well, it's not privileged if (laughs) you can't afford to pay rent where you work. Okay, let's take a break now, and I'll get in touch with our Juice Brigade.
I know that you know that I'll go where you go. I choose you, won't lose you. I wish you knew how much I long to hold you in my arms. This time is my time. We'll soon be good. Okay, we're back. Uh, this is the Labor and Love Show, where we tell you how it is. A dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't work for. So now, in our uh, in our fiction. the two squares and as I said my best buddy Earl Coleman this st this story is dedicated to him this goes to show what can happen when people simply start to talk to one another and it's set on a chessboard so I dedicate this to you Earl wherever you are and to Ducky and to Maria The two squares. Once, in a house far away, in a room on a table, there was a chessboard. Two armies stood on the chessboard facing one another. A little girl lived in the house, and every day as she passed by, she looked at the armies and wondered why they were there. One army was black and the other was white. In each army, the soldiers stood in front at attention. Behind the soldiers were the officers who rode on horses and the bishops who blessed the armies. Tall battle towers rose up on each side of them. The king and queen, protected by the soldiers, with the officers and the bishops at their side, commanded the armies. Each day, the black army and the white army fought battles that were part of a never-ending war. Sometimes the black side won, sometimes the white side won. As soon as one war was over, another one began. When the battles were over, the kings made speeches about how glorious the war had been, how brave the soldiers were, and how the officers had brought glory upon themselves and the black nation or the white nation. The bishops blessed the soldiers who had died and blessed the king and blessed the nation. And the next day, there was always another war. Black and white, kings and queens commanded, bishops blessed, and officers gave orders. Soldiers fought and died. Somebody else was there as well. Somebody no one noticed. No one ever even thought about. 
the squares on the chessboard. Each day the soldiers marched all over the squares and moved heavy battle towers over them and never thought about them. Each day the officers rode their horses over them and never even thought about them. Queens moved back and forth over them. The kings never traveled much. When they did, they stepped right on squares. Minds were on the battles and on the glory they would win if their armies were victorious. And one day something happened. Some said it was because sunlight fell on the table and enlightened the squares. Some thought that the little girl had left her toy magic wand on the table right next to the chessboard. Who knows? But on that day, the squares woke up. Two of the squares who lived right next to each other started to talk. One was black. Where are we? One square asked. I don't know, answered the other. Pretty soon the one said to the other, Do people and horses in castles walk and ride all over you every day, too? <clears throat> they do, answered the other. Aren't you getting tired? I am, said the other. Now, of course, all this was strictly forbidden by law. Squares were not supposed to talk to each other. They were not even supposed to talk at all. Squares were not even supposed to know they could talk. What about the other squares next to us? None of them. They tired of it, too? No, let's try to talk to them. And the said to the black square in front, Hello! And the black square said to the white square behind, Hello! No one would answer. That was because black squares did not trust white squares, and white squares did not trust black squares. The kings had very carefully placed the squares next to one another in such a way but there were black squares on every side of the white squares and white squares on every side of the black squares. They'd all seen the black and white armies fighting and they thought that they were supposed to be enemies. Let's try to find out where we are, said the black square. Good idea. And so they stood up. First it was very hard and their backs hurt and because they were so used to bowing down when they, when they stood up something very strange happened. Pop! They were not squares anymore. They had become cubes. They looked at one another. They were much bigger. They could see all around them. He said, I didn't even know we could do this. And they looked around. They were amazed at what they 
He saw the black army on one side and the white army on the other side. All around them, they were squares just like themselves as far as the eye could see. Black. But when the soldiers saw the squares stand up, Those two squares are standing up, they told the kings. Put them down. They'll interrupt the next war, the king said. And the soldiers, black and white together, jumped on the squares and beat them on their heads and forced them to bow down again. After that, for a long time, the squares did not talk. Great. Heads had been beaten down and they had been flattened. Once someone had learned to talk, when someone has learned to talk, it's hard to make them stop. Soon, two squares started talking again. They had to whisper so the soldiers wouldn't hear them. Do you see those armies? Those are the ones that are walking on our backs all the time. See what else? Squares. Did you see all the squares just like us? There must be 30 or 40 of them. Truth was that there were 64 counting. They won't talk to us. They think we're supposed to be enemies. That was true. Black squares would not talk. It wasn't long, though, before the soldiers came and stood on them. Two kings, black and white, and the black and white queens, and the four officers, two black and two white, came. Four bishops, two black and two white, came and blessed the trial, because that is what it was. Stood around on the two squares, and an officer read the following paper. Square 4C, a black square, and square 4D, a white square, are under arrest for talking and for standing up. Up? Even though they didn't say anything. Listen. On this board, every piece has its place and things to do. Otherwise, we could not have a war. Bishops continued, all four of them to go on. Every piece must follow the rules. Kings and queens rule. Bishops bless. Officers ride horses and soldiers fight on foot. Squares stay flat and hold everything up on their backs. That is their job. For the good of the game, the squares must stay where they are and stay flat. Game must go on. That is what is most important. The officers looked down at the two squares from up high on their horses. If the squares talk, they will think they are as good as us. 
as good. They'll want to talk more. They will want to stand up and move. So, continued the king, I have decided that the two squares four B four C shall be erased. Two squares said nothing. They just stood and trembled. Well, they did not know it. All the other squares were listening. Watching the color of earth. It's hard to watch when you're blind. Ones in the rows right around the trial realized they could stand up so they could see better. When they stood up just a little, the squares behind them couldn't see. Well, they had to stand up a little higher. Of course, then the squares behind them stood up even a little higher. Meanwhile, both kings agreed and both queens agreed that the squares should be erased. happened, they wondered, if squares started standing up and talking. And of course, the four bishops blessed it all. It was the word of God, which for some reason was usually the same as the word of God. Sixteen soldiers stood at attention, waiting for someone. Get the royal eraser, the king ordered, and the soldiers turned to go and find it. As soon as they did, they found their way blocked. Squares in the front row had stood up a little and were watching, and some of the squares, some of the soldiers tripped over them. Cubes, cubes, black and white, as far as the eye could see. The bishops rubbed their eyes. Officers rode around in circles. Many squares had stood up so they could see what was happening. Some of them, some of them stood as high as the battle tower. Get down and let us pass by order of the king. Started to beat on the door, but the cube was out of its place. The cube was shrinking down again to a square, and suddenly, pop! Squares underneath the soldiers that were doing the beating popped up, and a couple of the soldiers went tumbling off the chessboard down to the floor. Always the first to die. 
the officers, the bishops, and the kings and queens always got all the glory. Soldiers were tired of doing all the hard fighting and never getting anywhere. Kings told them that the blacks and whites were enemies, but tears were the black queen and the white queen, the black king and the white king, and the white and black officers, and the black and white bishops all together fighting against the squares. Besides, two soldiers had been thrown off the chessboard. Kings yelled at the soldiers to fight the cubes. The officers threatened them and decided, and the bishops told them that they would not be blessed. They didn't fight. The soldiers were just stood there. They were all alone with their queens, officers, battle towers, and bishops. They looked around them at the forest of cubes. Move out of the way, they said. Your squares bow down. Yes. Move out of the way or you will pay. Get out of the way, they said. Down. Well, they couldn't do it because now the squares, cubes, tall as they were. In the name of God, get out of the way, yelled the bishops. Bow down as you are supposed to. Not one cube moved. They'd seen the two squares stand up. They had seen the black and white soldiers together beat them down. They had seen how the black and white kings and queens and bishops and officers all together against the squares. Move aside, I say, thundered the bishops. Other words. On your faces, I am the king. And you know what happened. Nothing. Not one square moved. Move, I say, screamed all the kings and queens. No. No! I dare you just to be king. No. 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 Squares, cubes, counted, chanted. Soldiers looked around them. They too were stunned. How many squares? Cubes. Clear the way, roared the Clear the way, yelled the kings again, but this time it was not quite so loud. It was a little less demanding. Kings and queens squared Never before in their lives. They kept giving orders over and over, but by now they didn't. Clear the way, please. Pop, pop, pop. Soldiers fighting stood up and 
officer was blown up and off the chessboard, crashed to the floor and broke into One of the bishops ran forward, yelling at the top of his lungs that it was against heaven stand up. He ordered them to bow down and kneel before him or else he would go to hell. The queen thought it was all over. Stood up, and the bishop fell over and rolled off the floor. How dare you! Down behind her, she No, no, she cried. Please stop. Let us go. Squares made a council. Thought about. And so it was, last time some of the cubes bowed down and began to kill him. Night when the little girl came home again, she found a terrible mess. There were broken chess pieces all over the floor. Swept them up and threw them away. Some chess pieces that not broken, but when she looked through the chessboard and set them up again, someone said, beautiful set right many colored Getting all about the chess pieces. Built houses and bridges and shops and all kinds of things. They never had such End of the story of the two squares. This goes to show you what happens. Squares rise up and say, I want to circle back two problems. One is our Just think about basic Hello, Vita. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, can you speak up so we can do a mic test?
Okay, that's good. I just got to turn my speaker off. Well, first of all, thank you for phoning in. How are you doing this Saturday morning? Um, I'm doing good. Same old, same old. Uh-huh. I made some breakfast, some Korean breakfast, and all good. Okay. Well, um, I, w- I want to talk to you today about, um, you know, workers, which is you know, our theme here on this show. But these workers are people that we may not think all the time of as workers. One is that Uh they're very well paid compared to regular working people. But they are workers nevertheless. Um, And that's pro football players. Uh, Have you read about the case of DeMar Hamlin? Yes, I'm familiar with it. And I was thinking, too, I see. But, yeah, um, I feel like. Or you got, sorry, you should ask me this question. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hamlin uh, was a, a young football player, 24 years old, and he made a tackle, uh, not a particularly violent tackle or a dirty tackle, but he made a tackle. And um, when he stood up from the tackle, he he stood up and wobbled around, and then he fell down again. So he, Mm. and his heart went into cardiac arrest. Uh, Medics and everybody rushed out on the field, and they were able to resuscitate his heartbeat. But immediately he went into cardiac arrest again, so twice he was clinically dead. They wow. did bring his heartbeat back, and he, he did go to the hospital, you know, under emergency uh, situation, as you can imagine. Um, and he has uh, more or less recovered from that dire situation. He's still in intensive care, but he's able to talk to uh, his family mm. and his teammates, all the all the uh, football players. Mm. Um, so my, and now people are saying, well, some people are saying football should be outlawed. The game's got to change. The game by its very nature is violent. What's your take on it as a sort of a casual fan? Um, well, from my understanding, there, that both the players and the coaches wanted to stop the game and not play, even though the league wanted to, like, push it and keep playing. Right. So that was good that they stopped the game and didn't push it. You know what I mean? Yes. And just, uh, like, I think that's good because, you know, they it creates a new standard. Maybe it would be good to, like, create new standards for things. Uh-huh. And to push it like that, and I don't know if football itself should be like banned, but maybe you know there should be more power to the players and the the players and the coaches 
so that they, in case something like this happens again, or it doesn't happen again, they can just, like, stop the game and wait and see. Because uh, they probably feel like, you know, it could happen to any of them. So they're worried about that, and they don't want to create that precedent of, oh, if someone gets hurt, let's just keep going, you know? Because they're also, like, humans, and they're all worried about it, too. You know, oh yeah, so yeah. I mean, worried about that. this is. I mean, the NFL, the league makes billions of dollars. They pay their commissioner nine, ten million, twenty million. But I, in reading through through the background of this, I found out that when players retire, they only get five years of health coverage. Wow. Okay, and. Yeah. A player, in order to get any kind of pension at all, has to play three years and three months. And the average career of a football player is less than that, right? Right. So the league is screwing screwing them right and left. These guys go out and beat each other up. Um, So anyway, were you a fan of football when you were at Davis? Did you go to any games? Like a few games, and um, I mean, I don't really. I like sitting down and watching it with friends and family, and enjoying it like all together. Yeah. But I, I'm not really someone who's gonna like go out and look for it or like think about it. You know, like it doesn't bother me. But I enjoy to see other people enjoying it and yeah. um, watching it with them and having some beer and chicken wings and stuff. Uh No, it doesn't really. I mean, I think if I had children, I wouldn't let them play football. Ah, there you go now. See, um, earlier scandal, you know, uh, came in, which was never resolved really about brain damage of players, you know, who hit each other right every every you know play. And one guy said, you know, all it would do to take to uh, make football die, pro football die, is mothers. Mothers who wouldn't let their kids play. Right? Yeah. So, so, I mean... I mean, I wouldn't. I, like, I... There's a lot of other sports and uh, things like karate that would be a lot better because they learn more about their body and they learn about, like, controlling things and, like, controlling their body and the force of their body. So there's really no point in, like, doing something like football. Um, like, I don't think it serves a functional purpose. And it's, like, something that you can only play for a while. You can't play for years and years. Um, but if I had kids, I would definitely, like, put them in karate or basketball. Like, whatever sports they want to play, just not football. Yeah. Like, I even, my little cousin, he got hurt one time in high school because this guy, like, grabbed his suit. Like, he grabbed his, you know how they have the shoulder pads or whatever? Yeah. He grabbed him by the shoulder pads and then pushed him down. Right. And it was just, like, a thing that, it was after they were done or something like that, and he broke his collarbone. You know, like, just, they were just messing around. So, it's kind of dumb to have, like younger people playing it and even this guy that got hurt is 20 in his 
early 20s, sort of 24, you said, right? Right. Yeah, so it's like, for what? Like, I guess you can make money, but like you said, the economics doesn't even work because even if you're making money, uh, the risk is so high. And then, you know. Yeah, and then there's the aftermath, you know. Even if you do play 10 years or so, um, an alarming percentage of, of uh, former players have this brain disease. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just culture and, like, people, like, I can't even say it's just misogyny. It's, like, women are into it, too, you know, and, like, they prop it up a lot. And, um, you know, they think these people are manly and stuff like right, that. Right. And the whole military part of it. Yeah. But there are a lot of ways to be manly that are smarter than that. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> much smarter than that. Yeah. There's a lot of things you can do. And like I said, karate, like, it really teaches you how to be aware of your body. And it's a controlled environment where someone's watching you the whole time, even if you're sparring. They're watching, and then they're watching if you're doing something against the rules, and it's a point system, you know. So, like, no one, it's harder to get hurt, so. Correct me if yeah. I'm wrong. Um, the whole point of karate, then, is not to attack and hurt somebody, right? Right. It's more to compete or to defend yourself. Yeah, the point of karate is also to not fight if someone's coming at you um the point is also to subdue them be able to control them to stop them through you know like let's say if someone's coming at you with an open hand and they're about to slap you mm-hmm. you can with one with one uh turn you can grab their thumb and then turn it over uh-huh. and then you're subduing them through grabbing them and grabbing their thumb and pulling it backwards. So then they have to stop and talk to them or tell them something. Uh-huh. And say, okay, like, are you going to stop or else I'm going to beat the shit out of you? Or, uh, you know, there's so many different ways you can compete with someone. Be and hold them and stop them. Even if you're smaller than the other person, you can control someone uh, who's bigger than you just by knowing reflexes and being aware of the body um, being aware of, like, what's the thing, like, your temple? There's, like, certain areas in your brain or head that you put pressure points. That if you just hit it really well, uh, directed in a small, like, small, like, with your knuckle, and you hit someone's temple, which is a pressure point, you can automatically make them, uh, like, faint, sort of, and stop for a second. Or if you hit someone in the throat with an open palm, you can make them stop for a second and get jolted. And that's something you could do even if you're a woman like me and you're getting attacked by a man bigger than you. But, yeah, you have to be ready and have the advantage. So, yeah, part of it is, like, controlling the situation, diffusing the fight, subduing it. Yeah, definitely. Not to, like, fight, you know. But to get the upper hand. Okay. Um... All right. Well, I want to thank you for um, showing up and and sharing your opinion. Hopefully, nothing like this will ever happen again, but um, I'm afraid it will. 
Yeah, hopefully they get better measures and better protocol after it happens so they don't pull any of that, oh, they want to keep playing the game. Right. Right, yeah. because at first the NFL had said that the two teams should take five minutes and warm up again so they huh. could start over and they could keep playing. Anyway, all right, talk to you uh, talk to you soon. And okay. um, have a good day. Stay warm. Stay dry. Bye, Vita. Thank you. Okay, well, there's our... Uh, There's our youth brigade. Let's see what uh, Sylvia Plath says about male principles. Daddy, you do not do, you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or hachoo. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before I had time, marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe big as a Frisco seal, and a head in the freakish Atlantic, where it pours bean green over blue in the waters off beautiful Nosset. I used to pray to recover you, ach, do, in the German tongue in the Polish town, scraped flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common. My Polak friend says there are a dozen or two. So I never could tell where you put your foot, your root, I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It's stuck in a barbed wire snare. Eeh, 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 eeh. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you. And the language obscene, an engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew. A Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress and my weird luck and my tarok pack and my tarok pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you, with your Luftwaffe, your gobbledygoo, and your neat moustache and your Aryan eye, bright blue. Panzerman, Panzerman, oh you, not God but a swastika, so black no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist, the boot in the face, the brute, brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, Daddy, and the picture I have of you, a cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that, no not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue. And then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a Mein Kampf look, 
and a love of the rack and the screw, and I said, I do, I do. So, Daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root. The voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year, seven years, if you want to know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. Everything's coming our way.
have a seat at the table, that is the negotiating table where you work, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Come on down to Mutiny and find your voice.
stranger. Hello there, stranger. Does this road go all the way to Little Rock? I've been standing here all day, and it hasn't gone nowhere yet. Hello, stranger. Hello again, stranger. Your corn looks awful little and yeller. I planted the little yeller kind. Hello, stranger. Well, hi there, stranger. I don't believe you're too far from a fool, are you? Believe what? I said, I don't believe you're very far from a fool. No, that's right, son. Just this guitar and mandolin here between us. Can't you see that your roof is leaking? Why don't you fix it? Well, right now it's raining too hard, and when the sun's a-shining, why it don't leak? <laughs> 